Whole Creek family, it's so good to see you guys this morning. I know you're glad to be in God's house, and I just trust that God's given you all a great, wonderful, safe week. I'm really excited about today because uh, one of my mentors, um, my home church pastor for many years, actually the man who gave me my start in ministry and allowed me to be a youth pastor for four years at Freedom Baptist Church and ordained me into gospel ministry, is going to be um, preaching and sharing with you this morning. So I want to introduce to you Pastor Keith Hutchison. Pastor Keith, if you'll come on forward. And then also I want to recognize his family, Sandra and Devin and Lindsay and your significant others. Y'all go ahead and stand. We're going to embarrass you guys real good for a minute. Y'all give them a warm Pole Creek welcome. So if you guys remember a few years back, I went to uh, Malawi, Africa, and Mozambique, Africa, um, and I actually uh, went with Pastor Keith and his ministry there. So he and Sandra are the assistant directors of Good Samaritan Baptist Ministries located in Blantyre, Malawi. So he's going to be preaching and sharing with us this morning about what God is doing there and what God is doing in his life. So I hope you enjoy. Go ahead, Pastor Keith. Amen. Well, thank you, Brother Ben. And uh, this is familiar territory for me. I'm an Inca boy. And uh, I remember several years ago, uh, I, I went to another church faithfully, but a lot of my friends from Inca would come here, and I remember sitting right back there and uh, not halfway paying attention. So all you young people, I know the game. I can tell. <laughs> I can tell if you're listening or if you're not. But uh, I remember Johnny Tiller was the pastor here, and uh, so I remember that several years ago, and uh, got roots here in Inca, Candler. This is, like I said, this is where I'm from. I'm an Inca boy, proud to be a jet. Amen? Amen. Proud to be a jet. And uh, I was one of those teams that got the field wiped with it. <laughs> but I was, I'm, I was part of the years where we're laying the foundation for one of these days, something great is going to happen. <laughs> the foundation is being laid for many, many years. So imagine how good it's going to be when it does get good. And uh, your pastor and his wife, Hannah, uh, I love them very, very much. Me and my wife, they're very special to us. And I seen Ben uh, when he was in high school, God working in his heart, working in his life, and then him just being faithful and uh, surrendering. Anything God wanted him to do, he was willing. And God used him in the lives of teenagers and then of course, uh, I still have some hard feelings towards him. He left me to come here. So this morning, I'm preaching on hail, hail, and hail. All right, and I'm hoping he will get right. But uh, anyway, he, he left me, and I'm so proud of him, honestly. I'm so proud of him. And uh, thank you, church, for sharing him and not being selfish with him. Uh, he came to Africa with us, and there's not many people that I would want to go to Africa with me. Because we, everything, there is, you're in tight quarters, and you can't have somebody over there that gets on your nerves. Uh, you, you eat with them, you sleep with them, and you're, uh, sometimes you get showers, sometimes you don't, and everybody's grumpy. But Ben was spiritual the whole time. <laughs> he really was, and he done very, very well. And he was away from his family, away from his children, his wife. And uh, thank you for sharing him with me. And like I said, his heart surely came out. When he was over there and I know you guys are proud to have him here I've even talked to some people in the community and excited about him being your pastor and I want to commend you uh, number one you're a friendly church as I sit there everybody coming up some people waving with both hands 
and uh, you know everybody just having a big time and chit-chatting. You can tell the church has got a personality when they're loud before church, <laughs> and that's good. You guys are a friendly church, and even before I got on the, the steps, people was talking to me, and uh, you know we're supposed to be a hospital for sinners. And there's people here this morning that are probably hurting. Your life's upside down. Your minds are getting the best of you. Uh, you, When we walk in church, we lie. Everybody says, how you doing? We say, good. But there's a lot of people's lives upside down this morning. So you need to be a hospital for sinners and a welcoming place and a loving place. And I commend you because you have that. Not every church has that. Since I've not been passionate, I've been able to preach in different churches and be in other churches. And I can tell you something. Some churches just have a rude personality. Some churches are selfish. They walk in, they mind their own business. They're quiet, they're grumpy. But uh, you guys are doing something right because you seem to be happy and loving. And the second thing I commend you on is you worship. I like the way you worship the Lord. You know, we're here to worship God. God is the spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And the Bible tells us the Father seeketh such to worship him. You ever thought about that, that God's looking for a church? You think about that for a minute. God's looking for people to worship him. There's churches everywhere, but very few worship God. So I commend you on those two things. And uh, like Jesus said in Revelation, though he bragged on them, then he said, I have somewhat against you. I brag on you for those two things, but I do have somewhat against you because you stole Ben. <laughs> Other than that, you're a good church, all right? If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Ephesians, chapter number 5. Ephesians, chapter number 5. This morning, I'm going to read two or three verses to you as we uh, turn there. Ephesians, chapter 5. <clears throat> we'll pick it up in verse number 14. This is Paul writing to the church at Ephesus. I don't know how you guys do things around here, but if you found your place, let's stand and honor God's word for a minute as I read these few verses. Ephesians, chapter 5, verse number 14. Paul says, Wherefore he saith, Awake. Thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See then you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. He says, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. You may be seated. So here in verse number 14, he, uh, I'm going to give you two sides to this message. I'm going to give you two things to set it up. And then two instructions I believe we need to follow. The two things to set it up are, number one, he, evidently God's people are asleep. He says, awake, in verse 14, awake thou that sleepest. He's not talking to the world. He's not talking to lost people. He's not talking to unbelievers. He's talking to the church. He's talking to saved people. And he says, awake thou that sleepest. If there's one thing I can tell you, by, and, and I pastored for 16 years and been in other churches, whether it's uh, representing Africa ministry or just, or just filling in, whatever it is, I can tell you this. The church is supposed to be a powerful institution. The church is supposed to be so powerful that the gates of hell can't prevail against it. The church is supposed to be so powerful that if a man walks in in sin, that there's a power there that arrests him and grips him and breaks him down under old-time conviction and changes his life. The church is supposed to be such a powerful place that a broken marriage and a broken life can walk in and they feel the love and the comfort of the Holy Spirit of God. 
The church is supposed to be so powerful that it doesn't matter what Washington, D.C. does, and it doesn't matter what Hollywood does, and it doesn't matter what the schools of the world does, and it doesn't matter what the devil does, that the church is so established and so powerful that none of that stuff can move the church. That's how powerful the church is supposed to be. See, church is not just something that Granny used to do. It's not something just tradition that we do on Sundays. But church is supposed to be a life-changing institution and a powerful place. But if there's one thing I've noticed is our churches are asleep. We're asleep. And did you know you can do many things and still be asleep? Most people don't even realize they're asleep. But Paul here is writing to the church at Ephesus, and it was a good church, and it was a strong church, but he says, you need to wake up. He says, awake thou that sleepest. You're sleeping, and you don't realize it. And I'm, I'm afraid a lot of times in church, we know the routine, and I bet you guys got a routine. I bet every Sunday, that sweet little girl gets on there and does announcements. Am I right? Pretty close. All right. So she does announcements, and then we do congregations. Pretty dead on. I bet the choir sings at least one song before being preachers every Sunday. Huh? So here we go. We got, you know what we got? We got a routine. You know how you get somebody to go to sleep? The same thing. Any of you men ever realize the best time to take a nap is watching golf? <laughs> Why? One thing after another. It's the same old, same old. You know what I'm afraid churches turned into? The same old, same old. And before you get super spiritual and start resisting the fact that you're asleep, we all, if you've been safe for any length of time, you fell asleep in church. Right? Now, I'm not talking about physically asleep. Some of you are like, oh, man, please don't let me go to sleep today. He's preaching on sleep. <laughs> that ain't what I'm talking about. I'm talking about spiritually asleep. We've all been spiritually asleep at one time. You don't have to be backslid. You don't have to be out in the world to go to sleep in church. You just have to get numb. You have to get numb to the whole thing. And I've been numb to the whole thing. We all have. And did you know you can do many things and be asleep? Many things you can do and be asleep. Did you know you can talk and be asleep? Did you know you can walk and be asleep? Did you know you can sing and be asleep? My wife can have a conversation and be asleep. That's the truth. <laughs> I mean, you can, you can do all things and still be asleep. But there's one thing you cannot do and be asleep. You can't be aware of an opportunity that's in front of you. In just a minute, we're going to talk about the opportunities that's in front of us. But the first thing we need to see is the context of what Paul's saying here. And he says, awake thou that sleepest. And if you're asleep, it's a Baptist preacher talking about sleep on Sunday. Can you believe this? Listen, if you're asleep, one of three things will wake you up. And if you're saved this morning, you're part of the church. And one of three things will wake you up. Number one, a voice will wake you up. That's how a sound will wake you up. That's how most of us get up in the mornings, an alarm clock. Or our parents come in there and say, it's time to get up. Or your husband or wife says, it's time to get up. And if they're, if they're a normal person, they say, get up. If they're sweet, they say, wake up, sleepyhead. But a voice will wake you up. One of these days, according to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16, we're going to hear a voice and we're going to wake up. Did you know that? The Bible tells us that the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. 
you know, you can sleep all day long, but you will wake up if you're saved. The day's coming, we're going to wake up. And there's going to be a sound that's going to wake us up, but we don't want to wait till then. Agree? Do you agree with that? Uh, so, number one, a sound can wake you up. Number two, a traumatic experience can wake you up. If you really want to wake somebody up, get you a bucket of cold water. Right? That'll wake them up. Or this. You ever had to shake somebody to wake them up? But they get up fast, do they not? Or if you've been in the military, you ever, some of you can tell stories about the drill sergeant, some of the things they would do to wake you up. So traumatic experience can wake you up. You know what? I'm a pastor. I'm a preacher. I'm supposed to be a missionary. But I went to sleep spiritually here recently. And then recently, about eight weeks ago, I lost my dad completely unexpected. Two weeks before the day he died, I was sitting in church with him laughing. We was having a conversation. He came to hear me preach. And we're just going on our merry business. And I had no idea, no idea at all, that eight days from there, I'd be getting a phone call from him telling me he had tested positive for the virus. And, five, and six days after that, he took his last breath. And that was a traumatic experience for me. You know what that did? That woke me up. You know what that woke me up to? That eternity is more real than I ever thought it was. That truly, I can go from talking to you to an eternity in the blink of an eye. That's, an, that's a traumatic experience. And sometimes traumatic experiences will wake us up spiritually. I got a good friend who, for years, he was just spiritually asleep, didn't want anything to do with God. He's saved, but just kind of become numb to it all. And then all of a sudden, one day, he got a phone call from the oncologist that he's got kidney cancer. Today, that man's more on fire for God than I ever imagined he would be. You know what it took to wake him up? A traumatic experience. And sometimes that can wake you up. But the third thing that can wake us up is this, light. There's no way I can sleep with that shining in my face, being, I don't know how you do that. Any of you ever worked third shift? Raise your hand. What's one of the things third people, people will say on third shift? You can't sleep during the day. You have to get the dark. Here, to put it in context, what he's saying in Ephesians chapter 5, he said, if you want to wake up, verse 14, awake thou that sleepest and arise from the dead, Christ shall give thee what? Light. You know what this is? This is light. The Bible says thy word is a lamp. It's a light. So this morning what I'm hoping is none of you will have to have a traumatic experience. None of you have to wait till Jesus comes. But just the fact that the word is preached and may the Holy Spirit take the word and give you light this morning that you won't be spiritually asleep. So as we look at that and we think about that, why do we need light? Because if we're asleep, we miss opportunities. You can come in church and know every word to the song. You can know Pastor Ben's name. You can even read your Bible. You can go through the humdrum and go through the routine and be spiritually asleep the whole time. But when you wake up and become spiritually sensitive and spiritually aware, you know it. And there's nothing more exciting than get around Christians that are awake and alert. And there's nothing more boring than getting around Christians that are asleep. And I've been in church my whole life. And I know what it's like to go through church like this and go through church like this. And there's a difference. 
There's a big difference. And this morning, may God use his light to wake us up. What do we need to wake up to? Opportunities. And that's what he's saying here in verse number 16. He says, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Redeeming the time there doesn't mean make the most of every day. Although that's a good idea. That's not what he's saying. He's saying make the most of every opportunity. There's an opportunity in front of you. And people, this morning you have an opportunity. And I have opportunities. And if you're saved, God eventually is going to get opportunities in front of you to do something for him. So as we think about that this morning, what's the two opportunities that I, this morning, want to present to you? Number one, I want opportunity is like a door. So, and when that door is there, you've got an opportunity to go through it or to let it close. And this morning, on this October the 10th, 2021, if you're saved this morning, say amen. amen. If you're glad you're saved, say amen. amen. Well, every, every single person that's been saved that just said amen, you have opportunities this morning to do something for the Lord. You have an opportunity. And the opportunity I'm going to present to you, and if you sat there this morning and you're like this, then I know you're asleep. But if these opportunities excite you, then you know you're awake. What's the opportunity? The first one's this. There's a door of training young minds. It's in front of you. You say, well, I don't get that. Did you know there's a war going on for every mind that's young? There's a war going on. And you have an opportunity to shape that mind and to train that mind. If you're a dad in here, raise your hand. If you're a mom, raise your hand. Keep your hands up, dads. Don't be ashamed of it. If you're a grandparent, raise your hand. All right? If you're a faithful part of this church, raise your hand. Every single hand that's up, this door is for you. This door is for you. If you're 18 or under, stand up. <laughs> Sit down, Ben, you liar. <laughs> 18, look at that. You see what that is? You see what that is? That's opportunity. That's an opportunity. All right, y'all can be seated. And did you know what just stood up? Satan's bullseye. Satan's bullseye just stood up. You may tell you what the problem is in America. We're lost. We're losing that battle. We're losing that battle. Satan's hitting the mark more than we are. Listen to this. It's shocking that the door of opportunity, every mom and every dad, you have an opportunity to shape those young minds. I'm not talking about brainwashing. I'm not talking about beating stuff into them. But the Bible even tells us in Proverbs, train up a child in the way they should go. Well, our job is to direct them. I can't make a child get saved. You can't make your grandchild get saved. But I can direct them into the best opportunity, can you not? Right. Listen at this. Back in June or July, the San Francisco Gay Men's Course stirred up a hornet's nest when it posted a music video. And the lyrics to their song said this, We'll convert your children. It'll happen bit by bit, quietly and subtly, and you will barely notice it. We'll make them tolerant and fair. We'll convert your children. Someone's got to teach them not to hate. We're coming for them. We're coming for your children. 
You know what the church is doing? Our Sunday school programs and our church services and this and this. Listen, it doesn't bother Satan for these boys to be sitting on the front row. That doesn't bother him at all. What bothers him is when their minds start being trained by the word of God. And listen, you don't need to tell them what Papa said because Papa was wrong. You don't need to tell them what the church said. The church has been wrong before. You don't need to tell them what Ben said. Ben's just a man. You need to tell them what the Word of God says. Do you see the difference? You say, what's this got to do with your ministry in Africa? Well, the first slide, if you put it up there. We, we got a ministry in Africa. This is the map of Africa. If you can see there, and you see down to the lower right, a little country, a little island to the right, that's called Madagascar. If any of you ever seen that, they have talking zebras there. They do. But over to the left of that is another country, and that's Mozambique. And you can't even see it, Harley, but inside there's a little dot inside Mozambique called Malawi. Malawi is where your pastor went with me, and it's a third world country. It's the fifth poorest country in the world. The fifth, you can go to the next slide, the fifth poorest country in the world. This is just typical. It's just thousands and thousands and thousands. This is how they live. They have no power. They have no running water. A lot of their children don't even have schools. They don't have a roof over their head, some of them. Some of the children wander around truly like animals. And they wander around from hut to hut to hut to hut, just scavenging pretty much. Well, inside this little country of Malawi, the fifth poorest country in the world, we have an orphanage. We have over 170 children now in that orphanage. When your pastor came, uh, he got to meet uh, one of the children that just come in. Her name was Chafundo, and him and his Sunday school class sponsoring that child, adopted that child. And people will sponsor those kids for $50 a month, and, and that puts food on their table and, and helps them be able to go to school. And the thing, you say, what's this got to do with the doors of young minds? You know what our, you can go to the next one. You know what we're doing to these children? We're training their minds. Because... Yes, we do give them three meals a day. Yes, they do have a mattress to sleep on. Yes, they do have mosquito nets to keep from getting malaria. Yes, we do uh, give them an education. But the best thing we do, we teach them about Jesus Christ. You know how you change a country? The minds of the young people. That's how you change a country. That's how you change a community. That's how you change a church. That's how you change a nation. It's the minds the door is there. The door's in front of the church. The door's been in front of the church. But let's be honest. We've stood by, and Satan went right through that door. And now in America, and, I, and if Ben can clean it up if you don't like it after I leave. But listen, now in America, we believe wrong is right, and right is wrong. Now in America, if a man stands in this pulpit and says the three-letter word sin, people get to have a nervous breakdown. Now in America, if you tell, if you preach that a man and a woman should not live together outside the bonds of marriage, people have a nervous breakdown. They say, you're judging me. You're doing this. It ain't judging. It's the book. It's the word. And the Bible, what the Bible says is right, it's right. What the Bible says is wrong, is wrong. If he says homosexuality is a sin, then it's a sin. It's not a political issue. It's a Bible issue. 
And so we got to train the minds of the young people. See, years ago, I think it goes back to the 60s and the 70s, there was a deterioration that started. And when that deterioration started, it's been going on. Remember, it started in the colleges. Started in the colleges. The professor started uh, saying there was no God and different things like that. Then it filtered down to the high schools. Then it filtered down to the middle schools. And even since my, my son's 19, my daughter's 16, even I've seen since then, it went from the high schools and middle schools down to the intermediate schools. And now in the elementary schools. You know what we're telling people in elementary schools? We're telling kids, you need to figure out if you want to be a boy or a girl. What happened? Let me tell you what happened. The minds of the young people is being, I like this guy over here. Amen, brother. You come sit right here in the middle. Listen, hey, you know, we're, what are we doing? It's the doors of the minds of the young people. Did you know what? They can sit in church all day long, but their minds have to be trained by the pastor, which you've got an awesome pastor. If you believe that, say amen. amen. You get, by the mom and the dad. You, it's your job. Listen, it ain't even the church's job to raise your children. That's your job. It's your job to tell them what's right and what's wrong. But notice what we've done. We're letting the schools raise them. And we're letting Hollywood raise them. And we're letting our government tell us what's right and what's wrong. But we go back to Malawi. What we're trying to do, listen, I'm here to preach to you this morning, but I'm preaching you a two-sided message. I want to tell you also about our ministry in Africa. Go to the next slide if you would. This is uh, my wife, Sandra, holding one of our albinos. Uh, we have several of those. And in Malawi, that albino right there is worth about $60,000, $65,000. Because there's some witchcraft beliefs that the bones of that child can bring good fortune. Chifundo, the one that they're sponsoring, is an albino. And so that's one of several cases. And I could give you heart-wrenching, gut-wrenching stories about some of the situations and the circumstances that these kids come from. But the thing I want to give you this morning is, number one, thank you, Pastor Ben, and thank you, that Sunday school class, for sponsoring those kids. We got over 170 kids now, and it's amazing, some of the individuals, some of the churches that have said, hey, we want to be a part of training the young. I want to see God do a great work in Malawi and in Mozambique. I believe the method starts with the children and the teenagers. I want to see God do a great work at Pole Creek. I want to see God do a great work in Inca Candler, in North Carolina, in the United States of America. You know where it's going to start? When the church wakes up and says, no, 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 Satan, not on my watch. Not on my watch. And to show you how much of a battle's going on, and there's probably stories come out of this church, as many teenagers just come through here, there's probably stories come out of this church that boys just like this one, they could be a toddler, raised in the Sunday school, go through the youth program, 18 years sitting in church, send them off to one year of college, and they come back saying, I don't believe in your God anymore, Dad. What happened? The battle's there. The battle's there. You say, well, how do we stop that? They need to be grounded and know why they believe what they believe because the book says it. I don't care what the Baptists say. I am Baptist. I don't care what the Baptists say. 
I don't care what anybody says. I, my convictions have to be based on what the book says. That's one thing we try to do at the orphanage. You go to the next one if you don't care. Is uh, We try to show them what the book says, what the Word says. And this morning I want to challenge you. Uh, when this is over and stuff, uh, you can see my wife back there. Stand up, Sandra. This is my wife. I married her for her looks. Stand up, Sandra. Uh, but uh, you can see my wife or myself. Hey, the more people that sponsor, the more kids we can change. It's amazing. It's amazing. But we've seen God do some great, great works through that. And two, two or three years ago, we couldn't even keep the doors open. But now all of a sudden people are really stepping up. And it's exciting. But this morning, I want to challenge you twofold. I want to challenge you about Malawi. And I want to challenge you about your own house too. All right, so the doors of the minds of young people. That's one door. Let me give you the second door. I see that red and black. It says 1153. If I'm done at 12, Ben buys me a steak. Amen? All right. The doors also, the door of the young minds. Number two, the door of the gospel. That's the best door there is. Don't you agree? If you're saved this morning, it's because the power of the gospel. One day, Christ, he knocked on your door. As many as received him, to them gave he power, power to become the sons of God. You know what, you know what it takes to receive him? The Holy Spirit has to make it real. You remember the night you got saved? You remember the Holy Spirit knocking on that heart? You remember what it was like to see yourself in need? And what happened? Jesus says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man opened, he knocked and I opened. But now all of a sudden the opportunity comes to me. You know what my job is? My job is to see the opportunities when they come. I have an opportunity of training a young mind. But number two, I have the opportunity of presenting the gospel in the right opportunities. Every single one of us. And when you have those opportunities, you better go through that door. You better go through that door. I remember Ben's testimony. Did you know how many people are saved? Raise your hand. Every single person that just raised your hand, you know how you got saved? Somebody had to take advantage of the opportunity in front of them. The Bible says, Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. But it says you can't call on him that you're not believed in. And you can't believe on him that you've not what? Heard. So somebody had to take advantage of the opportunity to tell you about the gospel. I remember Ben's testimony. You might have, even, you might have made it up that night. You know what Ben's testimony was? I remember he got saved. His dad led him to the Lord. You know who, you know who took advantage of the opportunity in front of him? His dad. His dad. Listen, there's a 90-something-year-old man right now that lives down in Tryon that's called me and asked me to preach his funeral. I knew him when I was just a little bitty child. I'm a big old Clemson fan. Right now, I'm kind of sad about it, but I'm a big old Clemson fan. <laughs> My blood runneth orange. I've been to tons and tons of games down there watching him play. Lost thousands and thousands of dollars going down there watching him play, acting like a fool. I wear orange shoes. I mean, I'm an idiot. But there was a man named Charlie Cordell. Some of you may know him. Charlie Cordell, when I was just little, he took me to my first Clemson game. Now, that man is 90-something years old now, and he lives in Tryon in an in assisted living home. 
And he called me one day a few years back, and he said, listen, if something happens to me, I want you to preach my funeral. And I said, man, I'd be honored to. I said, if I'm going to do that, though, i got to ask you, I need to ask you, have you been saved? Listen to his testimony. It's one of the most unique things I've ever heard in my life. You know who led him to the Lord? One of his friends. You know where it was? On a boat at Fontana Lake. You know what had to happen? Somebody had to take advantage of the opportunity in front of them. The opportunity in front of them. You know what I'm afraid we have? A church full of people. And the door's in front of you every single week. And you're asleep. You're sleepwalking through life. Sleepwalking right by people. Think about this. How many people did you rub shoulders with this week and have a conversation with this week? That'll die and go to hell if Jesus comes right now. Think about that for a second. Think about this for a second. I, I, listen, God's opened opportunities for me, and in the past recent years, I've tried to, when I see those opportunities, I take advantage of them. I take advantage of them. I got a phone call just a couple weeks ago of a coach from my way back long time ago that gave me the opportunity to present the gospel again. I mean, when I sit right back here as a teenager, Hey, uh, listen, I was a Christian, I went to church, I prayed, I read my Bible, but I rubbed shoulders in the locker room, I walked the halls with people, I, I went to class with people, I done all this stuff with people, and right now, if they die, I have no idea where they're going in eternity. You know what I had when I was a teenager? Missed opportunity after missed opportunity after missed opportunity. Truly, what was I? I was a good church boy that was asleep. I was a good church boy that was asleep. And I'm afraid we're full of a church like that. Our churches are full of that. But until we wake up, do you know where, you know where most people are supposed to be saved? Not here. There. You're supposed to go in the highways and hedges. That's where we rub shoulders with them. That's where we're trying to, listen. But you know what we try to do? It's almost like, it's almost like we try to get the fish in the pond before we catch them. Imagine me, you know, we're supposed to be fishers of men. Imagine me this morning. If, you, if you'd have pulled in the parking lot and you'd have seen me out there with the fishing pole. And you said, what are you doing? I said, I'm fishing. And he said, well, don't you think you better go where they are? And I said, no, I'm waiting on them to come to me. You know what our churches are? I'm waiting on them to come to us. Wait on them to come to us. Then Ben will preach and they'll get saved. That's not God's way. The opportunity is in front of us, all around us. It's in front of us. And I'm going to brag on your pastor one more time and his sister Mallory. When I first went to Freedom, man, that church was tiny. And we was, I was preaching and, man, I was trying to get them to listen. And I was preaching. And, and to be honest with you, we had some faithful old people. And they're like, Man, there's good people, but there's, just be honest, there's old. But son, God lit a fire in Mallory. God lit a fire in Ben. And before you know it, they're witnessing to everybody. I think Mallory lit a fire hydrant to the Lord. <laughs> That's witnessing to everybody. And before you know it, teenagers started coming. People started getting saved. And it started growing like crazy. You know what happened? Just a couple of people woke up. Just a couple people woke up, and the opportunities went crazy. I wondered this morning, 
If, I, if you was to write the 10 people that you love the most, 10 people, 10 people that you love the most, you was to write them down on your notes that I see some of you taking. 10 people. Do you know their testimony? How about your grandfather? How about your best friend? How about you? How about your coach? How about your girlfriend? How about your cousin? Hey, some of you, how about your own children? Do you know their testimony? There's your opportunities right in front of you. It's there. This morning, I'm preaching a two-fold message. Number one, we need to wake up here. But number two, I want to tell you about this. Go back up there to that slide you had before, sir, on that map. That right there is Mozambique. Wrapping all the way around. All that white country you see is Mozambique. And on the coast, Mozambique has some money. But if you go inland towards that little bitty strip on the middle of it, that's the poorest of the poor. One guy said, that's like going to the moon. Mozambique door opened to me personally in 2016. I got a phone call from my friends in Malawi, and they said, we crossed the border, and we went in some of those villages, and you wouldn't believe the people getting saved. Well, that's all any preacher needs to hear. People getting saved, I'm going. And we started going in there, and Ben knows he did it too. We go village to village, sleeping in tents, sleeping on the ground, getting up in the morning, preaching the gospel, getting in a car, going down the dusty trail, stopping another place that night and preach the gospel again. And the people are getting saved by the thousands. So what's that got to do with me? It's not far away. It's an open door right in front of you. Because what we're doing, go ahead to the next one. That's the water that they have. So today when you go home and you got clean water, that's, that's, what they, that's what they drink. That's what they bathe in. That's what they live off of. Go to the next one, sir. That's what church looks like. They hear a Zungu, that's me, white person. They hear a Zungu coming, and they come like crazy. They want to hear about your God, that you've come there and you care enough about them. I want to hear what you've got to say. And they come from everywhere. The door is in front of me. And as I go around these churches, I try to tell people, the door's also in front of you because you can have a part in that. You can have a part in that. And I'm not here to get your money this morning. I'm here to stir your heart because if your heart's in it, you'll do anything. You'll do anything. So that's what church looks like. Go to the next one, please. That's what it looks like when, you, when they pack in there. We built that church. We've built probably seven or eight churches. And uh, I've had people, I've had people, listen, I had one man. He knew what was doing in Mozambique. And he called me one night and said, uh, are, are you home? I said, no. He said, I got some money. I want to build a church in Mozambique. You can build a church probably five or $7,000. You believe that? Five or $7,000. Because they don't have water and power. They just built, put up concrete walls and tin roof. And he said, I, I want to build a church. And I said, well, I ain't home. He said, all right, I'll put the money in your flower thing. <laughs> this is a true story. My wife's got a little flower wagon. I ain't telling you it's where I live because some of you be digging through my flowers tonight. <laughs> Listen. And, 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 and I said, well, okay. I thought he was going to leave me a check. I get home, dig through. He left me $5,000 cash into flowers. And that man's got faith. But you know what? It's God just stirring people's hearts. Just stirring people's hearts. Because, and then you build that church and here they come. Go ahead to the next one, sir. I'm trying to hurry. 
That's what it looks like when they get outside. They're just thrilled you're there. And if you'll notice, look at the children. 45%. Listen, I just got through preaching about the doors of the minds of young people. You'll see the door that's open to me and to my wife in Mozambique. 45% of the population is 15 or under. You don't think God said, there it is, big boy. You want it? Opportunities in front of you. And here I am, a candler boy. Never been across the pond in my life. And you want me to do that? But thank God it's wonderful. And we sleep on the ground. We, I mean, it's, it's rough. I'll be honest, it's rough. And that cute little blonde you've seen stand up back there, she's all about it. Only God can do that. Only God can put that in your heart. All right, go to the next one. That's, that's me preaching. I got an interpreter, Henry. He, what I do, he does. If I raise my hand like this, he raises his hand like that. And, and, and he's one of my best friends in the world. All right, the next one. You say, what, what, what are you doing? Even while I'm here, I'm there. Because we got some men now. Ben, this will thrill your soul because you're just there. We got some men now that said, we've trained them, give them materials. They're excited about reaching their own people. And those pastors, you know what we're doing? We're buying them bicycles. My buddy, you just seen right there, that's his truck. And those bicycles are going to pastors. You know what they do in those bicycles? They get on them with their little Bible, and they pedal from village to village preaching the gospel. Son, if that don't excite you, you're asleep. That fires me up. You say, well, that's your ministry. It's not mine. You fuddy dud. I mean, come on. That ought to fire you up. There's a, there's a guy pedaling a bicycle going from village to village telling people about Jesus. That's amazing. All right? And you can buy a bicycle for $110. Imagine if y'all could. I think Ben ought to do that for a month just to show his dedication. <laughs> Don't you? All right, go to the next one. All right, and there's three of them. This is one of my big guys in Mozambique. His name is Soso, and we bought him a motorcycle. $1,000. Now he's high. He's high living. He's covering all kinds of villages. See, even while I'm here, I'm there. And this morning, you know what they're doing? Boom. Gospel's going throughout Mozambique. Souls are being saved every single week. All right, go to the next one. It's one of the most exciting ones. You see that? That's a Bible college we have in Malawi. You know who's sitting in that Bible college today? Four from Mozambique from Mozambique so now we ain't just giving them transportation we'll give them the education and think about it before long what's going to happen in Mozambique God's going to start calling young men to preach young girls he's going to start stirring their hearts boy God do the work the opportunity is there it's there alright go to the next one right fast oh stop that stop that let me tell you about that so we preached. Listen, there's been two or three that we've been able to drill wells in. And some of you don't realize what you have when you have water. You don't realize what it's like not to have water. Jesus said that he was the water of life. You think about that for a minute. You can't have spiritual life without the spiritual water. And you can't have physical life without clean water. And I've grew up all my life being turned into the faucet, and you can drink anything you want to drink. You can brush your teeth. You can take a bath. You can cook. You can do anything you want to 
with our water we have here in Western North Carolina. We've, this is the third well that we've drilled. This one's actually in a far remote village in Malawi. And by the way, I want to make this clear. When I say villages, we're way back in there. We're back in there. Henry said, Pastor Keith, you just don't understand. Missionary do not come here. They do not come here. And we go so far back that some people look at you like this. You know why they look at you like that? Because you're white. See, this morning, I mean, I don't, a bunch of zungos to me. <laughs> but you imagine if, listen, you imagine living over there. They don't have a school. They, they can't read. You can't write. They, they've never seen a white person. And some of them think they've seen a ghost. That's the truth. Do you know we've had them run from us? Scared. We're way, I'm telling about we're back in there. Way back in there. Some of them have no water. This past year when we went, we spent the month of June over there. When we went, we went in this one church, and the chief stood up and said, please, please, we need water. And Sandra can always identify if they need water because their bellies are the kids. And the, the parents think their kids are well fed, but actually they have worms because the water's so bad. Well, we came back home, and Megan Whitted's here this morning. She helped get the money together, and we sent it over there and drilled them a well. And that's a hand pump that they're pumping. And this is them celebrating and worshiping because they have water. You think about that for a minute. Go ahead and play that. So this morning, this is my challenge to you. Two things. Wake up. Wake up and see that the doors are here. They're right in front of you. But number two, as I leave this morning, I hope this rings in your ear. And I hope some of you can't sleep tonight. I know that's bad for a preacher to wish that on you. But I hope you can't sleep. I hope you can't eat. I hope it stirs your heart so bad it breaks you down like a wet noodle. And all you hear is this echo in your ear. Mozambique. 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 And you think about the doors of those minds of those young people. And the gospel going out. You say, what can I do? Well, Ben had me here this morning. I want to make it personal to you. I'll make it personal to you. It's right in front of you. It's right in front of you. Like I said, I'm just an Inca boy. It ain't some great organization. It ain't some TV thing. This is personal. These are some of my best friends. People are dying and going to hell. There's young minds there for the molding and the opportunities in front of us. God opened that door to me. God crossed me and Ben's past in his providence years ago. And now here I am in front of you. I want to give you that opportunity. But as I give you that opportunity, I also want to give you this opportunity. Hey, Mom. Hey, Dad. Grandparent. Member of Pole Creek. Every one of those that just stood up. Satan's battling your mind. Battling your mind. Battling your mind. The bullseye's on them. Don't lose another one. I don't want to lose another one. I don't want to lose my own. 
I got a 16 to 19 year old. I've seen Satan attack them. I know what it's about. I got friends I used to sit in church with now don't want anything to do with God. The battle was lost. I got some still serving God. The battle was won. I don't know about you, but I don't want to lose the spiritual battle. And then number two is, I'll ask you this. When's the last time you give somebody the gospel? Not invite them to church. When's the last time you give somebody the gospel? The gospel. The door's in front of you. It's right in front of you. When's the last time you talked to somebody about eternity? The door's in front of you. We need to wake up. Church is not about this. Church is about the opportunities that are in front of us. They're in front of us. And maybe you're sitting here this morning. May the Holy Spirit knock. May he give you light. And may you say, I'm tired of being asleep. I'm tired of being asleep. God, wake me up. Let's bow our heads.